Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to keep talking about tough subjects. And, and tonight's subject is mercy. And I don't think that we really understand it. And I, I, don't, I can't speak for you, even though I'm trying to. I know that there's times that I don't understand that. You know, that God gives us His mercy. You know, in mercy in the definition, you know, is compassion or forgiveness towards someone who is within their power to punish or harm. See, I think so often in our lives we just keep living how we like to live and this is who I am and, you know, and at certain stages of life we start to realize that certain things aren't working out real well for us. We, we try to make a change and, you know, and then, you know, that's not really what we want. So we try to make a different change or we end up going back to something we said we didn't want to do anymore. You know, and we think that God's just out there somewhere, you know, and for me, for the majority of my 20s, I didn't even believe that he existed. You know, and then eventually I got sick and tired of, you know, going in and out of recovery and in and out of jail. You know, I had to, to make some decisions that were different and, you know, I was mad at God and I was mad at, you know, the organized religion and. I had all my excuses and all my resentments and all my bitternesses and all my arguments. But in reality is I didn't understand God at all. Most of us got dragged to church on some level and some of us in here didn't go to church at all. Some of us were even in different religions and have later on in life you know, come out of those things and, and learn that there's something more to this Jesus stuff than just a building. You know, for the majority of my life, I didn't know or really understand what a Bible was, even though I would see them. I never opened them. I never attempted to read it. But yeah, I had such a firm conviction on who God was, and I knew that I was right. You know, and later on in life, I think the older that we get, the more we realize that we just don't know stuff. I remember being a young man thinking I knew a lot and thinking I didn't need to listen to anybody. Being full of pride and anger and arrogance. And it seems that the older I get, man, life has a way of just humbling us, doesn't it? You know, and I used to, you know, take life on, you know, full steam ahead. And I would much rather learn from someone that's wise than try to figure it out on my own. So often in my youth, I would, you know, use the excuses, you know, I got to figure it out my way. And man, was that retarded. Excuse me for using that word, but, you know, it, it was... It was not a very wise stance. You know, and the Bible says that a wise man learns from someone else's mistakes while a fool learns from their own. You know, and so often I feel like I need to make my own mistakes and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But I, I find that 
I keep banging my head into the same door. Even though I'm trying to open it, and I have the keys to unlock it, or I know someone who does, I choose not to do it their way because I need to prove it to myself and to everyone around me that I can do this on my own. And I think in God's mercy, He allows us to to live in ignorance for X amount of years. But when the pain becomes too much, he then swings the door wide open and says, come here. And for some of us, that's too easy. And we run head straight right into the wall right next to the door, thinking that we're going to bust through it, doing it our way. And some of us do that time and time and time again because we refuse to surrender to a a path that's been laid before us. Because we're still trying to figure it out on our own. Many of us have deep wounds and, and it goes back into our childhood and our parents, you know, made mistakes and, you know, we've gone through traumas and abuses and neglects and abandonments and, you know, the things that we've been through in this room are extreme. And if we wanted to, we could use excuses for the rest of our lives of why I should be able to do and why I shouldn't have to do and and the entitlement and the self-pity are like an ocean that can never be filled. And we can sit in that place for as long as we want. But in reality... God has this mercy because sin desires a punishment. And so often we think that we're getting away with something or God is absent or he's not paying attention and we just keep living how we're supposed to be living. You know, but as I've grown in my understanding of who Jesus is and as I've grown in my understanding of what the word is and why it's so important to us, That sin desires a punishment, and it's been set that way since before time existed. And yet he pours out his mercy on us, and he just gives us his compassion and his love in a time when we don't know better. But I think that we start getting older, and, and the consequences of our actions keep reaping a harvest that we don't want to pay for. You know, and for me, I got sick and tired of being in pain all the time. I got sick and tired of reaching that crossroads and asking myself, why am I here again? And I thought I learned this lesson And I'm angry and bitter and I have a million fingers to point. But in reality, the person that's causing me the most problems is the person I look at in the mirror every day. We can blame our parents for the rest of our lives for the way we grew up. But in reality, there's not one person that's hurt us more than ourselves. And we have to come out of that self-pity and that entitlement and realize that God has a plan for us. It goes far beyond our understanding. And he's poured out his mercy on us. 
But at some time like that, we start getting closer and closer to the end, and you start to feel it, don't you? I know for me, at the very end of my usage, it literally felt like at any day I was either going to die or go to prison or kill someone. It literally felt like at any moment something was going to go wrong, and I was not going to be able to come back from it. Like I felt it. And I never had felt that way. I had just thought that I was invincible in my, my usage. If I could just run fast as I can, then the cops couldn't catch me because I'm the gingerbread man. But in reality, I believe that in God's wisdom, he starts to pull us in. And the fact that things are going wrong in our lives is evidence of God's love. And sometimes that's hard for us to really wrap our minds around. It's because he loves us enough to not let us continue in a lifestyle or a pattern that is killing us. And we're doing it to ourselves. And he's pulling us in saying, there is a different way. And we're like, I know there is a different way, but yeah, I want to do it my way. And well, all right, Jesus, I'll do it a little bit your way, but I want to do it my way. And we keep doing this back and forth with him. And it seems like it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter the amount of room that we got to move in this. See, as we can continue to look at everyone around us as the, the main problem, I can't change anyone around me. I literally have no ability. I am powerless over every single person on this planet. And the more I try to control and manipulate my surroundings, the crazier my brain gets. But when I start to evaluate what I can begin to do in myself and say, all right, Tom, here's a whole list of stuff that you don't like about you. Let's work on that. And I reach out to God and I say, God, give me strength. And we have to learn to offer forgiveness to the person that's hurt us the most. And that's ourselves. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, to give ourselves mercy. Because at some stage in our life, and I can't really remember when it was, but I was thinking about it earlier. That you thought I was bad, watch what I can do. Right? Whether it was in school or at home, I remember being yelled at as a little kid, and I was worthless, and I was no good. Well, you think this is what I can do? Watch how bad I can become. And I remember going around this path. I'm going to hurt myself to hurt you. How many times have we hurt ourselves to hurt a loved one, or hurt a parent, or hurt a sibling, or hurt a relationship? Because we know that I don't care about myself. I look at myself as worthless. But yet if I hurt me, I know it's going to hurt you. And somewhere inside, there's still this identity in whatever it is. So there's a wound. There's something been spoken over us. There's an event. There is part of our identity that's attached to something that if we really get down to it, the lie that we tell ourselves is I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. No one's going to love me. 
I'm rejectable. Everyone's going to reject me. No one's ever going to be there for me. But in reality is, when am I going to start being there for me? And stop expecting everyone else to do it for me. And the C, I think personally, what I had to work on was forgiving myself, giving myself mercy and realize that I'm not worthless. I'm not trash. I'm not something that you throw away. Just because people have rejected me and people have abandoned me doesn't mean that I am no good. I had to begin to love myself, and I did not know how to do that because I wasn't given the, the structure or the platform to really learn how to love myself. And the older I got, the more destruction I caused. I really had an inability to accept or offer forgiveness. So if you did something against me, my bitterness and anger resentment towards you would be like this burning fire on the inside of me that turned into this anger that I could not turn off. But with no real outlet, where the anger ended up hurting the most is myself. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've spent daydreaming thinking of homicidal things towards people. If this person could just die, then my life could be better. But in reality, the person that's suffering the most with that type of mindset is me. I did not know how to receive forgiveness. I didn't know how to give forgiveness. I didn't know how to really wrap my mind around being merciful. See, I think we all would say that forgiveness is a great thing when we get it. But if I have to actually practice it towards somebody that's hurt me, eh, vengeance sounds way better. See, I want someone to forgive me. I want mercy, but then I want vengeance. See, there's this thing inside of me that isn't in agreement. As much as I don't want two different rules, I want two different rules. I want mercy when it benefits me, when someone else is angry at me, and I want vengeance when it benefits me, but yet when I'm caught in the middle, I don't know how to give mercy to myself. So I punish myself more and more. Now I know I'm not the only one that struggles that once you make one mistake, you might as well make another one and make it worth it. I don't want to screw up a little bit. I might as well take advantage of the fact that I messed up. So I might as well mess up again and again and again. Well, and since I've gone this far, I might as well do something really damaging. See, how is it to catch ourselves before we really dive off the cliff? I don't know. But I believe that it's, I feel ashamed for my actions, and because I'm ashamed for my actions and I don't know how to bring myself back to God, 
I then keep drawing myself farther away from him because I project my thinking pattern upon him rather than receiving what his word would say for me that if I would just repent, that everything would turn around okay. He's faithful and just to forgive and remove all unrighteousness if I come back to him. But so often I run for a while until the pain gets too much, until I really don't have any more strength to take another step. And that's when I look back to him and say, help. See, over and over again, you know, we see it in the Word, that God loved his people so much that he would give them opportunity after opportunity to turn and to change (coughs) and eventually punishment would come. So we look at the God of the Old Testament as this wrathful God. But we take out of account how many years were in some of these events. See, I'm so grateful that we don't get punishment the moment that I sin. Like if I sinned and there's just this giant hand that reached out of the sky, whoa, sorry God, it would be so much easier to behave myself. But yeah, it's like we sin and like no instant punishment, so I'll just keep on rolling this direction. But what we can see is that God's ultimate forgiveness was the very thing that was going to bring healing to us and to this world. It's really his prescription for the broken. No matter how great the offense is or the abuse is, or how long the path of pain we've been walking on, healing is the solution. There's never been a time that I've looked to drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, money, business, schooling, fill in the blank, that I felt better after I've done it. However, every time that I get into this moment and I turn to Jesus and I say, forgive me, this giant weight gets lifted off of my shoulders. But my first impulse is to turn to the coping mechanism that usually hurts me the most. You know, I know that I've had some roots of compulsive behaviors because of my buried pain, and I would care to say that most of us in here, if not all of us in here, have compulsive behaviors that are rooted in some area of pain, dysfunction, identity. See, we have to stop pretending that there's hurt. Jeremiah 6.14 reminds us is that you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Well, it's in the past, Tom. We should just leave it there. Well, yeah, but there's an emotional cancer that's eaten, eaten us alive from the inside out that it seems that we can't move forward because we're tied or tethered or... or anchored to something in our past that is causing so much damage and we don't know how to find freedom, but yet we we pretend it's not there. La, 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 I can't hear you. But yet it's screaming at us from the depths of who we are. 
See, there's broken children inside of us, is my philosophy or my understanding of this. And until I begin to address the broken kid that I am and begin to talk about and and bring those broken pieces to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have no idea what to do with this, but here it is. And until I look at those things and say, you don't own me anymore. My identity is not in the fact that I got neglected. My identity is not in the fact that I got abandoned. My identity is not in the fact that I got molested. My identity is not in the fact that I was abused. My identity begins to transfer into Christ. But I need to stand there toe-to-toe with some of those events and say, you don't own me anymore. Jesus does. And it's extremely hard. But I have to love myself, and I don't know how to do that. See, I believe, for me, that when Jesus started loving me, it was extremely uncomfortable. That when he started pouring his grace into my life, I didn't like it. Wasn't well, this Jesus thing great? Nah. Yeah. I think it was extremely uncomfortable for me in the beginning. And then being around Christians who are extremely weird. Praise the Lord, brother. Like, I'm going to punch you if you say that one more time. I'm good to see you. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I really struggled with coming to church. And I really struggled with being a Christian. And I really struggled with this whole idea of Jesus. And we would go out in public after church or at some point, and I would be with Christians, and we'd be sitting down somewhere, and then they'd start talking to people about Jesus. And I'd be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? People are going to know I'm with you. This is horrible. I literally remember talking to people and saying, do not ever do that again. And now I'm that guy. (laughs) Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) I don't know about you, though, is I don't grow when I'm comfortable. If I'm comfortable in my surroundings or I'm in control of what's going on around me, there is no growth in Tom. Because Tom is actually now playing God of his life. And I've got everything exactly the way that I want it, so I have no discomfort. Add some substance, add a female, add a little bit of money. Perfect scenario for mass destruction. See, I have to face myself. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we have to do is that we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I don't know how to love you, but I'm going to learn how to. I don't know how to change you, but we're going to figure this out. I'm not going to stay in this place any longer. I'm going to stop making excuses of why I do bad things, and I'm going to do what I need to do to change. You're the only one that can make that decision. 
I've been in a lot of different scenarios where it felt like I was forced to do something. And I learned behavior modification long enough as it suited me. And the second you weren't paying attention or the second I didn't have to apply your rules or the second I wasn't under, you know, the thumb of, you know, corrections or the thumb of probation, I'm gone. I'm doing it my way. And so often we've learned behavioral modification as long as it suits us. So we do behavior modification with the family, behavior modification with the church, behavior modification with our workplace, behavior modification with friends and family. But in reality, there's a very broken person that just pretends a lot. And there's diagnosis for this. And I remember, like, well, they diagnosed me as this. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to, like, get in anybody's, you know, but it is what it is. But I remember as my identity came out of people-pleasing and my identity came out of conforming and my identity grew in Jesus, I could be who I really am. And if you were to ask me who I really was back then, I did not know. I did not know who I was. But I have to face my past. I have to forgive myself. And I also need to learn to forgive others. And this is difficult territory. See, a lot of us have caused a lot of pain to other people because people have caused pain to us. I remember when the first time that I was really trying to understand this this cycle of dysfunction in my life. And as I grew in my understanding of who Jesus was, and I grew in my understanding of the Word, and the Holy Spirit started putting some of these pieces together. The wages of sin is death. Okay. But I didn't die for my sin. But see, there's a wage. There's a payment. There's a payment that needs to be paid. Now, if I sell you a car, but I don't give you the car, and I just accept the payment of the car, but I don't give you the the car in itself, you're going to expect either your money back or the vehicle. Agree? But so often, we take the car and the money and we run. See, someone hurt us. Someone neglected us. Someone abused us. Someone lied to us. Someone cheated on us. Someone stole from us. So that gives me every right to neglect, to abandon, to lie, to steal from someone else. So the wage that's being paid is being taken from the next person down the road. See, the wage isn't getting to Jesus yet because I'm still trying to extract the wage that someone else took from me and I'm trying to extract it from someone else. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, when there's still hurt on the inside of me, I'm expecting payment for that. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, there's a debt that's been consumed. So often we want this debt paid by the person that 
created the debt in the first place. But for some of us, there is no way to get that debt paid. I have a childhood that was thrown away through abuse, brokenness, abandonment, divorce, rejection. I cannot go back to my childhood and expect my parents to make my childhood better. It's never going to happen. I have to release my parents from the debt that they have occurred in me and realize that that wage is never going to get paid from them, but that wage has been paid by God through Jesus. See, so often we're expecting someone to give me back what they've taken from me, and there is no physical way that someone can give me back something that's been taken. The only thing that I could ever receive is more Jesus to fill that hole inside of me. See, and forgiveness breaks this cycle. Giving mercy breaks this cycle. Now, it doesn't settle the questions of blame and justice and fairness. But it does allow us to begin to heal. See, it's not your fault, the stuff that's happened to you. And it's some of this, in reality, it's not our fault even some of the stuff that we did because we did it in ignorance. However, it is each and every one of our own responsibilities to change our life from this day forward. No one is going to do it for us. I have to decide that I am worth it enough to begin to take the steps that is necessary to change me and realize that some of the things that are around me that I wish would change or I want to change or I want it to come with me as I change, I may have to leave behind because I'll never change if I try to drag it with me. And see, this is where I have to give myself mercy and say, Tom, you just didn't know better. But now it's time to learn how to change. See, so often we want the blame and the justice and the fairness to be settled before we move forward. And that's just not the case. What I'm hoping to do tonight is give you this opportunity to start over right now. But to, to, in order for us to completely find freedom from all this resentment, anger, fear, shame, guilt, we have to accept forgiveness from God. And sometimes that can be very difficult. Some of us have done things that we feel aren't forgivable. Good thing we're not basing everything on your feelings. If you've been around me long enough, we don't do feelings. And I learned that in AA. I cannot live according to my feelings because I will literally be crazy the rest of my life. Feelings aren't facts. That's out of G that came straight out of AA. Well, blah, blah, I feel that. You know, my sponsor just hang up the phone. Click. I get so mad. I'd call him back and be like, we're not talking about that. All right, okay. 
And then five minutes in the conversation, I'm talking about the thing he told me we're not supposed to be talking about, and he'd hang up the phone at me again. Click. I'm like, don't you know? If I live according to my feelings, if you live according to your feelings, we will always find ourselves way off the road. There is no way that we can follow our feelings and and reach a destination. Because somewhere down the road, we're going to convince ourselves to go left or right, and it's going to end up bad. And I wish it wasn't so, but it's really the truth. My feelings have led me to some really desperate and dark decisions. And it's important for us to bring those mistakes back to Jesus and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin. But that means I have to be accountable for my own actions, and that's hard sometimes because I want to create excuses. But see, this is where Jesus' death on the cross comes in. That he willingly knew what he was doing. And he laid down his life. Pontius Pilate said, hey, I'm going to crucify you if you don't defend yourself. And he's like, you don't have the power to do that. Now Pontius Pilate did not understand that statement in the moment because he did not realize who he was dealing with. But any moment Jesus could have said, no, we're doing something different right now. He literally could have called down a legion of angels. He literally could have jumped off the cross. He literally could have healed himself. He literally could have done whatever he wanted to do. But he chose to lay his life down so that we could have communion with the Father. See, it canceled that wage of sin. He paid it. And as much as we're trying to extract it from someone else, Technically, it's been paid for. Now, if you're going to buy a car and someone else came in and said, no, here, I'll hook you up. I got the money for it. Are we going to then pay the dealer twice? Absolutely not. Why? Because someone else paid the price. Why should I pay him again? But yet, aren't we doing that in our lives in different ways? Yet Jesus paid the price for our sin, but yet I'm trying to extract it out of someone else. And we may not think that that's what we're doing, but any time that I'm sinning against someone else, and I know that this isn't going to help the situation. Now the sin might be pleasurable, but any time that I'm opening up the door to sin that I know is sin, that I'm not ignorant about what I'm doing, I'm trying to extract the payment, whether it feels good or not, for something that's broken inside of me that I'm not trying to give to Jesus because I want to still do it my way. See, no matter how grievously we've injured ourselves or others, God's grace is always sufficient. His forgiveness is always complete. And His mercy is always at work in our lives. There's not one day that we are going to make it through the day that we're like, did it perfect. I didn't say anything. I didn't think anything. I didn't do anything that would be sin. There's not one day in our entire lives that we're ever going to make it to the, to our pillow and say, did it. 
every day, if sin has a punishment to it, every day that we don't have a giant hand reach out of the sky and slap us, means that His mercy is at work in our lives. We may not understand it, we may not see it, but His mercy is at work in each and every one of our lives every single day. So we have to learn to receive His forgiveness and then offer ourselves forgiveness. See, He's been giving us mercy since we were young. But we're not quite sure always how to give ourselves mercy. Because the definition, right? The definition is giving compassion or forgiveness towards someone who I am within the power to punish or harm. How many times have I punished or harmed myself because I need the chaos. I need the thrill. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I need something else. I think for some of us, going back to relationships that are dysfunctional or painful is one of the greatest ways that we hurt ourselves over and over again. Another way that we hurt ourselves over and over again is is lack of money management. That we use money to get a thrill, we go shopping, we, we do something to, and blow a bunch of money and then the bills show up. And then the depression kicks in and then the fear and the anxiety, of how am I going to do this? And then the whole cycle continues. For me, I know that the worst thing that I could do for myself is to pick up a drink or a drug. I know today that there's a way out. I remember in my early 20s, didn't realize that there was a way out. Some of the AA slogans, now that I'm a little bit older, make a lot more sense. When I was young, I hated them. There's nothing worse than a belly full of beer and a head of AA. I didn't get it. Because it was offering me a solution. And the alcohol was trying to drown my misery. See, I think even greater now is that Jesus has this ultimate plan. And he's giving us this way out. And yet I reject him. Over and over again. See, I think that when we begin to give ourselves mercy... That this frees us and allows us to move forward. What area in your life right now have you yet to really offer yourself forgiveness of something you've done and there's still this level of shame that follows you? Maybe it's something you've never talked about. Maybe it's something that you have talked about and somebody gossiped about you and therefore you buried it again. Maybe it's something you've talked about a lot, but yet you're so dis- detached from it that you're not re-engaging it so that it's not really digging it up. You're just able to surfacely talk about it because you've detached from it so many, many years ago. And this is where we have to connect with Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to deal with this. 
I don't know how to open this door successfully. Every time that I even get close to this door, I sabotage myself. And a lot of times what's hooked to that is that we're angry at God. Somehow God got it wrong in our lives. If God was really God, then he wouldn't have allowed the certain circumstances that have played out in our lives to really happen. Since God screwed it up, then I can't trust him, or I'm angry at him, or he's not really there. Because if God was really God, then he would have done my life different. And sometimes that's really hard for us to admit. Especially if we're going to church, especially if we say we're Christians, and especially around other Christians. It's not easy to be vulnerable because Christians sometimes judge or, or throw the, well, you need to have faith, brother. Well, I need to punch you in the face, brother. When I was younger, I used to think I had all the answers. I find myself listening a lot more these days. I do a lot better at pointing to Jesus because Tom doesn't always know what he's doing. But if I hang on to him tightly enough, one way or another, he's going to drag me through it. And a lot of times when I'm being dragged, I don't always like it. Honestly, there's times I don't like it at all. But I am convinced that Tom doing things Tom's way is far worse than anything that Jesus can come up with. I have a 100% track record of destroying everything I touch. Apart from Jesus. See, I know that I've learned that God doesn't sin. Although I may think he got it wrong... I don't see what he sees. His very nature is marked by perfection and holiness. See, God is perfect in his love and his mercy and his grace, and sometimes that's hard for us to accept when we've had pain. Most of us in here have had traumatic events take place. Some of us in here have had multiple traumatic events events take place how can he be so perfect how can he be so loving how can he and we project these on him the Holy Spirit's funny sometimes sometimes he comes out of nowhere and just okie doke you with something have you ever been on your way to go do something and you hear this little voice tell you not to do it, and if you go do it, this is going to happen. Who knows what I'm talking about? But I want to do it, so I do it anyway. And I go and do it, and exactly what I knew was going to happen, happens. And then I'm mad that it happened. Who knows what I'm talking about? See, I believe 
even before I was a Christian, the Holy Spirit was trying to intersect my life and let me know that if I sinned in certain ways, that painful things were going to come. See, I believe that in His mercy, He was trying to deter me from certain events, certain actions, long before I knew who He really was. But because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I did it, sin was committed. See, I believe the people that have harmed us, the people that have molested us or raped us, abused us, also heard the same little voice tell us to not do those things. Tell them to not do those things. But just as I didn't listen to the little voice and I did the very thing that I knew was going to end up bad, so did other people. See, so often... I'm mad at God for what someone else did. But all the time, God was trying to intersect my life so I didn't sin against someone else, but yet I did it anyway. Every one of us in here has sinned against someone else. Agreed? And every one of us in here has been sinned against by someone else. Agreed? And yet the whole time, just as we heard the little voice tell us not to do it, They heard the little voice tell them not to do it. So in God's love, in grace, in compassion, in mercy, He was trying to intersect all of our lives, trying to prevent sin, but because I wanted what I wanted, I did what I wanted. And just as others wanted what they wanted, they did what they wanted. And this is the epitome of what love really is, is that He gives us choice. Some of us in here have been in loving relationships that were just really controlling and manipulative and abusive. Oh, I love you as I control you and hit you. That's not love. True love is giving someone the freedom of choice even when they might not choose what you hope. And that's one of the hardest things to do. And yet God gives us this free will because He literally wants us to choose Him. And see, what we fail to realize is that He first chose us. He sent His Son to lay down His life to pay that price, to pay that wage so that we could have freedom. See, I hope tonight that we begin to realize that God has been at work in our lives even when painful things take place. I hope that we can begin to realize that we can give ourselves mercy. Because sometimes we've been hanging on to shame and pain for far too long. And it hasn't been suiting us very well. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come reason with me. Another translation says, Let's talk this over. The Lord says, No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can take it out. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. If you will only let me help you. 
It's hard for us to let anyone help us. Every one of us in here has trust issues. On top of trust issues. I'm probably on top of some more trust issues. I know for me, the people that said they love me are the ones that hurt me the most. And yet we read and hear over and over again that God loves us, and yet there's these painful circumstances in our lives. But this scripture is an open invitation for us to go talk to him about it. Sometimes the way that I feel, the way that I think, isn't really reality. It's a perception that I've made up to suit me. Sometimes it is real. I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been abandoned. I've been through things that hurt. I've had loss. But yet, God has a bigger picture. The more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. Many years ago, I knew exactly what I was going to do. Man, has that changed. I've learned that his plan doesn't always go the way that I think it's going to. Why doesn't God just tell me what he wants to do? Because then I'm going to try to do it my way. See, I think he loves us enough to give us just enough to make us hungry, but not satisfied. Apart from Him. I think that it's important that we, we learn to forgive. I know that's hard for some of us. Some of us in here have deep resentments towards people. Some of us in here have resentments towards ourselves. Some of us in here have resentments towards God. But if not, if not now, but when, is the time that I begin to take a step and be willing to let go. See, I, I think that we all need to be willing to take a next step. And I, I believe that it's mercy. First, I have to understand how merciful God's been towards me because I have not received the justice that I deserve. If I got arrested and penalized for every crime I've ever committed, I would never see the light of day. So I don't want justice. I want mercy for myself. And I'm grateful for the mercy that he's given me. And I have to learn how to replicate that mercy and start to learn how to give it to people that I want justice. See, we have to realize that self-forgiveness is not a matter of assigning blame to someone else and letting ourselves off the hook. A lot of times that becomes a license for irresponsibility. But I do believe that it's important that we realize that we're human and we make mistakes. And we're never going to be perfect. Every one of us in here will make more mistakes. Every one of us will have another decision that we wish we didn't make. Every one of us will have things that we regret. Every one of us will look in the mirror and say, wow, I can't believe you did that. 
That's our future. Why? Because we're human and we make mistakes. And if I can't give myself mercy for the things that I've done yesterday, how am I ever going to live through what I'm going to do tomorrow? Because I'm never going to be perfect. But I do believe with Jesus' help that I make far less crazy decisions than I used to. So I just hope tonight's lesson will help you to offer yourself forgiveness. Maybe give mercy to someone else that before tonight you wanted justice. If anything, I hope that seeds were planted that will make you think about letting Jesus into some of those painful areas and realize that it's time to to let those things go. Because maybe you're trying to extract a wage from someone else or maybe you're trying to get yourself to pay the wage. But in reality, the wage has already been paid. That Jesus laid his life down for us. To offer us forgiveness. To, to open up a door of communion with the Heavenly Father. So if you would just bow your heads with me. Lord, I, I just ask that you would help us to, to discover how to let go. Let go of the guilt, the shame, the fear, the rejection, the abandonment. That we can look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that we're not perfect. And we do make mistakes. But Lord, we give you permission to start working on us. We ask that you would uproot us out of certain situations and certain areas that that really need to change. That we would let you into certain areas of shame and pain that have been in there for far too long. Certain mistakes that we've made that somehow we've allowed them to accumulate to a an identity of worthlessness. I pray that we would look at ourselves different tonight. That we would realize that we matter and that we are loved by you and that we would learn to begin to love ourselves. Help us to, to give ourselves mercy tonight, Lord. Help us to forgive ourselves because you've already forgiven us. And help us to forgive others because you first forgave us. Lord, we just ask that you would do a deep work in us, Lord, that you would uproot areas of deep pain, strongholds that have been there for far too long, areas in our mind and thinking patterns would be broken free and healed. Help us to take a step into that uncomfortable territory and allow you in. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.